<clears throat> well, it's good to be with you. It's, it's, it's just a privilege to, you know, one of the things, you know, we all have a wonderful testimony. And, you know, God gave you a testimony. If you've been born again, you've got a testimony. If you've come to know Jesus, your testimony is powerful. And I find most of us don't use our testimony enough. I used to think my testimony is nothing. I used to go along to these meetings and somebody would get up there and they'd been in the gangs or they'd done this or they'd done that and God had done amazing things and turned them around. And they're great testimonies. I love those ones. But, you know, I always thought, oh, well, what testimony have I got? I was going to church in my mother's womb. You know, Jesus is still Jesus. And his name means Savior. And he saved me from a whole lot of junk that most of you have had to go through because I had Christian parents who took me to church from knee high to a grasshopper. And I'm 70 next year. So if you count my mother's time in the womb, I've been in the Lord's presence for 70 odd years. <laughs> and it gets better. Well, praise the Lord. I don't know why I said all that, but anyway, just a nervous introduction, is it? <laughs> it's good to be back in Equippers, Wellington. Tim, are you there out there somewhere? Because I can't see anything with those lights. No, 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 not Tim. I met a Tim this morning. He's hosting. He's not here yet. Well, we'll have to wait for him then, because I've got a word for Tim. All right. an iPad's the best Bible for me, if you're visually impaired, you can blow them up, and uh, I can actually read the words on them. <laughs> so I'll just turn them around a bit, turn this upside down, good start, oh now when you turn it around it goes back upside down again, they've got a mind of their own these computers don't they? They think they know everything. I had a dog like that. You see, I started off as a shepherd. I started off as a shepherd. I grew up on a sheep farm, and I thought, you know, I didn't do too well at school. I failed school C twice, and I, I did play uh, softball, and I realized three strikes and you're out, so I thought, I'll leave while I'm ahead. So I quit school and worked on farms for a while. And uh, on the farms, uh, you know, I had this, uh, I got a little puppy, and I trained him up right from a puppy. It was wonderful. And he was a great dog, but he thought he knew best with everything. And, you know, he thought, you know, he'd worked some things out that, you know, I get up in the morning and I had to milk the cow. So before I'd even get up, he'd go racing out to the paddock and sort of drive the cows up, you know. He was, he was just trying to be helpful. But sometimes when you wanted to change things, he's stuck in this rut of trying to do what you don't want him to do. We're a bit like that, aren't we? God wants us to change something in our lives and we get stuck in a rut. And uh, I believe, you know, that God is wanting to do a new thing. And, I, you know, one of the things we're declaring in the Otaki Church is God is on the move. My Bible tells me, you know, that, that let the weak say you're strong, let the poor say he is rich, you know, whatever it is, let the sick say I'm being healed by the stripes of Jesus. Whatever it is, we've got to begin to call in your destiny. And as a church, we are just declaring, well, I am anyway. I don't know whether others are catching it. But when in my prayer time, and that's the great, uh, if I can give you one secret of what's happening in Otaki, we've nearly doubled our numbers this year, it's prayer. 
There's prayer on nearly every day somewhere. And they're texting into prayer rather than you physically going. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm no good at those sort of things. I, I, I go to one of them. But, <laughs> but there's six o'clock prayer meetings. And if you're at home and you're just getting up, you can text in and say, what are you praying for today? And they'll text it back to you and you join in with them. You see, uh, I love praying when we all pray together. I find so many Christians find that hard. But, you know, if we all pray together, our collective prayers are a whole lot better than, than just a half-pie amen at, the one, at one person's prayer. God wants us to connect with him in prayer. And I, I think that's the one thing that's attributed to the growth in Otaki is prayer. And there's prayer meetings on Tuesday morning. There's prayer meetings on Wednesday. There's prayer meetings on Thursday lunchtime. There's prayer meetings on Friday night. There's prayer meetings on a Sunday morning. Some of you made it here this morning. Praise the Lord. But God answers prayers. But God is on the move. And that's what I'm declaring. God is on the move. And, and you know, sometimes when nothing's happening, that's what you need to declare. If you think you're stagnant in your own life, you know, begin to de start declaring. God is on the move in me. God is on the move. And one thing I've discovered is, you know, when it comes to God, we always sometimes look at God. Well, God, why aren't you answering our prayers? God, why aren't you doing anything? God this and God that. We tend to blame everybody else but ourselves, don't we? Or it's other people's fault. God would say, who plays chess here? Anybody? No chess players? Couple? I enjoy chess. I haven't played a game for about 15 years, but anyway, pretty rusty. But I like chess. I used to play a bit of it when I was younger. I had an uncle who was really into it, and, you know, he beat me every time. But never mind. It's a good game. I like the quick game. <laughs> you know, about 30 seconds, and that's it. But uh, <coughs> per move. <laughs> or I'd just qualify that. <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't even get started, would we? <laughs> and uh, it's like chess. God is always on the move. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. But the question is, if things aren't happening, is and we go to God and say, what, what, what's going on, God? Well, God has seasons, and there are seasons for everything. But when you're in a season of inactivity, start declaring what you believe for. Start calling it in prophetically, as it were. God is on the move. But, of course, this echo comes back. Your move, your move, it's your move. If you know what in chess, you know, sometimes they take so long, you forget whose move it was to make a move. <laughs> These top guys, you know, they're thinking of every scenario and whatever. I, I can't think past about three moves, so that's why it's a quick game for me. <laughs> but it's our move. God's always on the move. But as we start even confessing things like that, you know, it begins to change the atmosphere. And we've, we've been declaring God's on the move. God's on the move. We've had, uh, uh, we've had water baptisms. We've had child dedications. We've had uh, three salvations, I think it is, this month. I'm just talking this month. You know, God is on the move. This is just little old Otaki. Uh, 113 people in church last Sunday morning. And uh, we've broken the 50 in the midweek service. Only once, but we're going to believe that will become the norm next year. And uh, you just got to reach out, and God is on the move. We're discipling more people now than ever before, and uh, that's exciting. And, uh, you know, God is just telling me that, that, you know, as a church, get ready for a move. 
get ready for a move. You know, there are seasons of inactivity. But, you know, God's plan doesn't change. You know, we sometimes think God has plan B. Well, there's, there's a truth in that. If you refuse to do on your life what God asks you to do, he will have to implement a plan B. But God doesn't have a plan B. Are you with me? He has a plan A for your life. Triple A rating. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. <laughs> Nothing to do with what I'm talking about today. Is Tim back? You here, Tim? Come out, Tim. Tim Tam. Huh? Tim Tams. Chocolate. Tim, the Lord would say to you, he walked on the shores of the Lake Galilee and he called out to men. And he said to Andrew, and he said to Peter, and he said to John, and he said to, to, to James, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. And then and God's telling me, you, you, you're going to be part of the, 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 the new move in this place. You, you are going to represent a, a, a move of souls in this house. You, you have a soul-winning anointing. You hardly know, uh, 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 you know, the books of the Bible from, from, from Genesis to Revelation. They're all a bit, you know, they're all new to you. You're new, you know, but when God called those, those disciples of old, they weren't the experienced people in Israel. You see, man would have said, let's go to the University of Jerusalem and let's find 12 of the finest young people men. But God went out and found some guys who didn't really know much about anything except fishing. And they were pretty much of the world. Peter was up and down like a yo-yo. He swore at times. He did all sorts of stuff. You know, he was just a guy. But God knew if I'm going to bring something new, I've got to bring it in new people. And God has just, you're just a representative of many that are coming into this house who will, will have an anointing to win souls. You've got an anointing to win souls. You're going to be a fisher of men. You're going to lead many people to Christ. You hardly know. I was talking to him this morning. He said, what does born again mean? Isn't that exciting? I mean, he's met Jesus, but he didn't know all this terminology in the Bible. Tim, come here. There's an anointing here. Will you guys get around him? Get ready for a touch of God. But this is a holy moment. Can you come a bit closer to me? That's it, so I can lay my hands on you. And you know what God's telling me? Sit in the front row. These guys are going to get around you and they're going to disciple you. And you say, well, I, I, I like the back. I'm just, just a servant. That's why God has called you. There's an anointing upon you, Tim, and God is setting you apart. You are holy. You've been washed in his blood. He has cleansed you. You are free from all shame and condemnation. And God says, I've got an exciting future for you. And uh, as you told me about your wedding coming up, how exciting. New beginnings for you as a family man, as, as starting into marriage. And uh, it's not going to happen as quick. The soul winning part is. But God's got to call. One day you're going to be a pillar in the house. And you know, God says, you sit at the front. You sit at the front. Because he's made you like a sponge and you're going to soak up the word of God and the word of God is going to transform your life and you're going to be a light bearer. And Father, we just ask for you, the anointing of your Holy Spirit, set this man apart today.
Jesus' name. Rabushe, bonda here, rabushe Praise the Lord. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's by my spirit. He wants to teach you the things of the spirit. Praise the Lord. So God is on the move and he's moving in people. And to some of you, he's saying, your move. <laughs> your move. <laughs> if you're just a sitter and a taker, it's your move. God wants to move. When you move, he moves. Isn't that exciting? God does nothing except there be faith in the, in, in, in the person who's, who, who's, who's he's asking to do for something. If you have an opportunity to pray for somebody who's sick, the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But you've got to move in faith. Amen? God moves when you move. Where there's faith, God is there. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? You know, she just said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And she pressed through the crowd. She was doing things that weren't culturally sensitive. In fact, it was, it was um, against the law what she did. But she just knew, if I can just touch Jesus. And she touched him. And Jesus said, who touched me? He was in a big crowd. The disciples said, don't be stupid. There's so many people. We're all touching you. You're brushing shoulders with him. There's a huge crowd here. What do you mean, who touched you? No, 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 no. What Jesus was saying was, who touched me by faith? Who was that? Because I felt power go out of me. Somebody's been healed. Who is it? And she fell at his feet and said, Lord. He said, your faith has made you well. God moves when your faith moves. Stir up the Holy Ghost in you. Stir up the waters within your belly. It's by the Spirit that things happen. All right, I want to briefly talk today, and I've got to go quick, because I didn't have those 10 minutes in my thoughts. <laughs> I want to talk today about the will of God. That is an enormous subject. You can get your concordance out and look up the hundreds of references to where it says in the Bible somewhere, the will of God. And uh, I'm going to touch on that, and then I'm going to touch on the gift of God. And finally, I'm going to touch on the work of God. So it's the will of God, the gift of God, the work of God, the will of God. Well, you know, how many of you know the Lord's Prayer? Most of us know that. And what does it say after we say, hallowed be your name and praise your Lord? It goes on to say, <coughs> your kingdom come, your will be done. It's so important that God's will be done in our lives because if it's not done in our lives, we're cutting God short of what he's wanting to do. His plan A for your life will be cut short if we don't do his will. We need to know his will. It's so important we know his will. Paul, in, in, in writing to Ephesians, in Ephesians 1, 1 says, Paul, an apostle, by the will of God. It wasn't a good idea. He didn't think, well, this is a good career. I'll make a lot of money being a, an apostle. no. He, was a, he had to make tents most of his ministry. Come on, get real. But he knew his life had been touched by, the, by, by, by the, the Holy One of Israel, knocked him off his horse. And he realized, he said, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. And his life was transformed at that point. He was struck blind for three days, and then he got healed, and we know his ministry. And he was saying, Paul 
an apostle by the will of God. You see, you don't go into the ministry because it's a good idea. You go into the ministry because it's the will of God. Graham Lee's a minister of the last, whatever it is, 34 years, not because Graham Lee wanted to be a minister, because I didn't. I wanted to be world champion motor racing driver. I had ideas. I, you know, in my younger days, I was going to be an all black. That didn't fizzle out. But anyway... <laughs> So did the other. <laughs> and our will sometimes gets in the road of God's will. But when you know God's will, you have to let everything else go and fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, and say, here I am, Lord. Use me. And he'll use you in whatever area. And only a few of you will ever be in full-time ministry. So don't panic about that. But you're all ministers. And the question is, is plan A in your ministry life? Because you're a minister of reconciliation. You're a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got giftings from the Holy Spirit. You have grace from God through Jesus in your life. And that grace needs to be outworked. For some of you, you might be walking the halls of parliament. For some of you, you may be a, a top businessman uh, pastoring your staff. It doesn't matter what the call is. What's plan A for your life? And you need to know the will of God in your life. And then you can pursue it with a clear conscience. God doesn't always give you the will of God in your life when you think you should have it. And you can pray for it and whatever, but God says, you, you follow me by faith. I'll give you enough light for you to take the next step. I'll give you, you know, I, the word of God is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our paths. And we see the light of Jesus ahead showing us where we're going. But how many of you know the zigzags all along the way? And each day you have to walk by faith. Each day you have to step out by faith. Each day you have to make yourself available to him. And plan A will come about in his time. I had no idea I was going to be in the ministry when I was a young man. But then God started dropping things slowly. And I wasn't even baptized in the Holy Spirit as a young man. It happened when I was 31. And that's where he met me. And I had an encounter, and I knew I would never be the same again. It wasn't that I wasn't saved. It wasn't that I wasn't going to go to heaven. It wasn't that I wasn't in church on Sundays. It wasn't, wasn't that I didn't love God. It wasn't that I didn't read his word and pray. It was just simply his timing. And there's a timing for all of you. And you know it's got nothing to do with age. I've met so many people in their 60s or 70s even where God just gets a hold of them and transforms them in such a powerful way and they began to minister <clears throat> so the will of God praise the Lord is a powerful thing so let's have a look at a few and uh, I don't know gone off I'm sick of waiting for me says hurry up we come back we're in Ephesians we want to go mate where are we New Testament that's a good start Ephesians coming Ephesians chapter 2, coming. Yeah. Hit the wrong thing. Anyway, <laughs> get back, get back. See, it's like my dog. It's, it's way past what I want it to do. All right, here we go, the will of God. And, uh, you know, there's so many references in the Bible to the will of God. I'll try and see if I can get some light on the subject. All right, Ephesians 1. I want to give you the big picture of the will of God. 
The big picture of the will of God, I think, is best summed up in this scripture. And it's found in Ephesians. And it's Ephesians chapter 1. You can put it up on the wall. Verse 4. Chapter 1, verse 4. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Think of that. He chose you before the foundation of the world, before he created, before God said, let there be light. When there was just God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One. And he went, I had a plan, a master plan. Do you know what that plan was? It wasn't so much about the stars and the sun and the moon and the earth and the, and the animals. Yeah, all those things were in his mind also. But you know what was in his mind? It was you. That's what the scripture tells us. And when we look at the creation, in Genesis 1, you read through the creation, you'll see, and you know, on day one, he, he, you know, let there be light, etc. Day two, he did this. Day three, day four, day five, day six. And the beginning of day six, we see, and it was almost like an afterthought. And then God said, let us make man in our image. Let me tell you, that wasn't an afterthought. All the other things were for you and I. And for God to reveal himself from the stars to a clover leaf. Because God can be seen in all creation. And he created all those things and created the earth because in his mind was a family. And in his mind was you. If we make it individual. It's amazing. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I think that's the big picture of his will. The big picture of his will is that God wants a family. God wants you and I to be with him. That was his plan all along. We know what happened in the garden. We know sin came in. We know we mucked it up. We know we still battle the devil, and so God's given us the armor of God and whatever, but we know that's not the end. The end is that God will set all things in order. Judgment will come to the wicked. Satan will be bound and cast out into hell ultimately, and then there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and we will eternally be with him as sons. As children of God. And so the big picture is that we would be holy. Because after the fall we were unholy. Sinners. And without blame. Isn't it wonderful when you're born again and come to know Jesus. There's no condemnation to you. You're without blame. It starts now but that's not the final part. And because his, his spirit is already with us now. Uh, there is the partial fulfillment. All right. But the complete fulfillment is yet to come. That we would be before him. We haven't seen him yet. Only in the spirit. But we would be before him. Without blame. Holy. Holy means belonging to God. Part of his family. Sons of God. Set apart. Sanctified. Washed in the blood of Jesus. Without blame. Without condemnation. Free 
before him in love. God is love. And his whole purpose is we before him in love. You see, if you before him in fear, well, love hasn't worked its way in you because perfect love casts out all fear. You're not going to judgment in the sense of you're not good enough and everything you did wrong is going to be brought up before you. We are free from that already now. So why do some of you go fishing all the time and go reeling it in again and asking God a thousand times over to forgive you for something you did when you are 18 or something? For goodness sake, Jesus blotted it out. He's washed away your sins as far as the east is from the west. You're without blame. You're a saint. I know it's hard for us to take hold of it, but you see, if you look through God's eyes, you have no problem. If you look through your own, you have a problem because you and I know we're still sinners according to the law. You and I know that we muck it up every day somewhere in thought, word, or deed. But you're without blame because Jesus put a robe of righteousness on you. Jesus shed blood, cancelled out your sins. And when Satan comes along and tries to tell God about, oh, you know, that Dougal, that Dougal, he says, what are you talking about? I don't know, what are you talking about? He's blameless. He's a saint. Because of what my son Jesus did. You see, it's imputed righteousness. It's given to us. And we're going to talk a bit about giving because God is God a gift. You need to understand that God has always been giving. You cannot love without giving. You cannot forgive without giving. <laughs> you cannot receive God's grace, you know, without there being a giving of God's grace. You can't get anything from God without him giving it to you. Because everything is given to us. We earn nothing. We're called to good works. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I just want you to get hold of the scripture. But there's so many things that are the will of God. Here's a couple, just so you know that I'm not making it up. <clears throat> this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Hmm, gone quiet. Good. This is the will of God, your sanctification. Set yourself apart. Be holy. Come on, don't go down to the world's standards. Be pure in this whole sexual realm of your body. You can read 1 Corinthians 6. It's powerful. So you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. You need to understand why you need to be set apart and holy. And, uh, you know, there is our part as well, but God has done it all. Understand, God has done it all. And even when we overcome things in our life as a Christian, that's the work of the help of the Holy Spirit, sanctifying us, cleansing us, renewing our thought patterns. He does it all. There's no glory to man from beginning to end. That's why we worship God alone, because he's the one who has made us a new creation. All right. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, for me. We're to be a thankful people. Uh, you know, are you a grateful, thankful, cheerful sort of person, giving thanks always, even in the bad times? Because it could have always been worse. You just bring the car into somebody, but you're not injured. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. It could have been a whole lot worse. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It could be worse. 
Come on, think about it. And God never said you won't go through things. Where, where in the Bible did you find that? He said, when you go through the fires, I'll be with you. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When you go through the waters, I'll be with you. You will not drown. Hey? So we're going to be floating around like Paul was in the ocean maybe for a day and a night. We're going to go through stuff. We're going to have persecution. We're going to have problems. We're going to have sicknesses. Where Satan's out to try and pull you down. You'll be attacked. You'll have problems. You'll have issues. Uh, just, just have teenage kids. You'll understand. You know, issues will come. Problems will arise. But through it all, he's with us. Through it all, he brings us through. He knows how to keep us. Don't you love that? How are we going for time? Ooh, five minutes. Still on chapter one. <laughs> All right, let's move on then. That's enough of his will. <laughs> but there's, it's, it's a huge subject. Please do a study on it. The second is the gift of God. And I want to talk about that because I know this month your theme is gift and giving. And you need to understand that God is a generous God. And you know, we know God is love. But you can't love without giving. And so God is always giving. He has always given. The whole creation was about giving to you and I an inheritance, a future, a hope. We're joint heirs with Christ. How amazing is that? You're a new creation. All of this current creation groans for the appearing of the sons of God. That's you and I when we come in our glorified body. The rule and reign of Jesus Christ. This whole earth is groaning, shaking, moving under the weight of the fallen nature. Murders happening, all these things, every day. It's just common life. We get so conditioned in it. But it was never God's will. The good news is even in our fallen state, God's will is to redeem us. Praise the Lord. The gift of God. John 3.16. There's no greater scripture than that. We all know it. For God so loved the world, or you, that he gave his only begotten son. What did he do? Giving again. He gave his best. He didn't send the angel, Gabriel or somebody. He couldn't die for our sins. He sent his holy, only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And he became man. The mystery of the incarnation. Amazing. And he died on the cross, Calvary for us. He fulfilled his ministry. Don't think it wasn't painful for him. Don't think it was easy. It wasn't. He sweat blood, drops of blood on the night before he went to the cross. Such was the agony of the thought of the sins of the whole world, past, present, future, upon him. He was pierced through for our transgressions. The good news is death couldn't hold him down. The Holy One rose again, triumphant, defeated Satan, and set us free. Praise the Lord. Are you thankful for that? If you've got nothing else to thank him for, thank him for, his, for your salvation. Thank him for the fact his spirit is with you. Thank him that he lives in you. Here, here comes my five-minute signal. Hallelujah. <coughs> it's called putty. <laughs> Putty's pliable, though. <laughs> Builders know that. <laughs> Love.
Love involves giving. Mercy involves giving. Grace involves giving. And that's what God does all the time. He gives these things. Faith, even your faith is a gift. Did you realize that? It's a gift. The Bible tells us. The gift of faith. Hallelujah. Genesis 1, you know, we, we just talked about that. We saw in the creation. God's whole plan, you know, was, was to give his son. And, you know, God wants us, and right through the Bible, you'll see parts where Paul says, mimic Christ as I mimic Christ. You mimic me if that helps you, if, if somebody in the flesh helps you. Mimic me if that helps you, but I'm mimicking Christ. And we're to fix our eyes on Jesus. And we're to be like him, the Bible says. And God's given us his Holy Spirit to help us to overcome our many problems, personality issues, background issues, whatever. We've got them all. We're struggling along. But God is changing us day by day from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. And he wants us to be like him. And if you're going to be like him, you've got to be a giving person. You've got to forgive. It's not an option. You've got to, uh, you know, in every way give him. Bible says, if you're talking money, he says the first fruits are mine. If he's truly Lord in your life, you're going to give him your first fruits. That's 10%. Honor him first. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Yes, we're to pay tax, but he says the principle right through is God first. He can't be Lord unless he comes first. And if he comes first, well, then he asks for 10%. You say, how could I do that? Well, he gives you the gift of faith. You've got to know that your father can do things that are supernatural. And he knows how to provide. None of his children are going to beg bread. You just have to change your thinking. You've got to say, yes, you can to God. Praise the Lord. We've got to be giving people. But it's giving a smile. It's giving whatever ministries in you. Give it away. It's to be given away. You, you know, you hear people talk about, I've got the gift of this, or I've got the gift of discerning of spirits, or I've got the gift of the working of miracles, or I've got the gift of uh, prophecy, or I've got the gift. You, you haven't got the gift. God put it in you. God gave you the gifts of the Spirit that you give it away. Because every gift has to be given. We're coming to Christmas. Remember, every gift under the tree is for somebody else. Unless you're so selfish, you put one big one there for your own name on it and put a big bow on it. Well, you don't know God's ways. God gives. He's not a taker. But he loves it when we give back to him. Because then he says, you're like, yeah, now you're starting to act like me. When you give me worship back. That pleases my heart. Not because I need your worship. I've got on an ego trip and I'm God and you've got to worship me. It's not about that. It's about you being like him, a giving. And Jesus demonstrated it. Jesus was a worshiper. Jesus never missed a Sunday. Praise the Lord. He was in, in the synagogue in those days, but he was there. You know, he'd do his bit. One day they let him read the scripture, <laughs> you know, and whatever. He was in the house killed a father at the age of 30 which was the law couldn't be a priest couldn't minister till you were 30 and at the age of 30 he began his ministry you see Jesus fulfilled the law he could have started at 12 but he fulfilled the law for you and I he's our circumcision he's our law keeper he's our everything that we don't have to be tied up in all these things all foods now kosher to us because Jesus has set us free hallelujah that doesn't mean you can do whatever 
Remember, the will of God is your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. The will of God is that you become holy as He is holy. The will of God, you see, the will of God will temper it, but it's not, but it's not us, it's the Holy Spirit enabling us to grow and become like Him. Amen? So there's no works that we can boast in. And so I have to leave the giving there. I could tell you a whole lot more on my page, but we won't. And the final one is the work of God. And just briefly, John 6, verses 27 to 29. If we can have that up and we'll conclude with this scripture. <coughs> and if I pick it up in 28, the background to it is, you know, Jesus has just done some amazing miracles and whatever. And the people come to him and he just fed the 5,000. And Jesus sort of said, well, you know, the only reason you've come seeking after me is because I fed you and whatever. And he challenged them about where their heart motivation was at. And, uh, and then they said to him, you know, what works do we need to do? You know, what, what works of God do you want us to do? that, uh, you know, we might be right with you. That's how man thinks. He thinks if I do, 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 I'll become okay with God. That's religion, folks. Every other religion is do, 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 and you become the Christianity. Jesus said it at the cross. It is finished, paid in full, done deal. You're free. But in our response of love to him who first loved us, he wants us to yield our life. Say, Jesus, here I am. Take me, use me, mold me, make me the person you want me to be. Let me do your will, Father, not mine. You've all got to come to that cross somewhere. And Jesus said to them, uh, when, when they asked, what shall we do? He said, uh, sorry, and they said to Jesus, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Jesus is so humble. He didn't say, believe in me. You know, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Holy One. No, he said, he always turned it back to the Father, didn't he? He said, believe in the one whom he, the Father, God the Father, sent. That is the only work you can work. And believe is just simply a turning on of the light in your heart and saying, yes, I believe. Amen? It's not a work. It's just faith isn't a work. Even that is a gift, remember? But from that gift that God has put in you, that gift of faith, our job is to believe. Our job is to step out in faith and do whatever He's calling us to do because He's got a plan A for you. Praise the Lord. So there it is, the will of God, <coughs> the gift of God, and the work of God that we're called. Father, we just thank you for our time together. Can we stand in his presence? I want the worship team to come. We're going to worship him.
Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We stand in your presence. We thank you that you have a plan A for every one of us. There's no one insignificant in this room. We may be just starting the journey of our walk of faith. We may be just born again. We may be just a new Christian. We may be on the road for so many years we think we've retired. Father, whatever it is or wherever state people's mindset is, will you bring them back to plan A for their life? Because I don't care what age you are, if you've got breath in you, God's got some more of plan A for you. God's got more of plan A for you. You old people, disciple, prayer, whatever. It may not be jumping around up the front and, you know, probably pull a muscle and fall off the stage. That's about all I've managed. <coughs> but it's been available and saying, God, because you see the best yet to come. For such a time as this, you're here, you know, and for some of you, it's exciting days. Uh, for Alistair, you know, next year, it's going to be a significant year of development. And then he's going to be thrust out. And then it's plan A. <laughs> You're in plan A now. But plan A with a big capital is going to start. <laughs> and God will be on the move in your life and your wife. Praise the Lord. And exciting things are ahead for all of you. It doesn't matter who you are. God's got a plan for you. It might be just to take a cake to your neighbor and just build a relationship with them. But the day is coming where you're going to lead them to the Lord. Come on, what is plan A for you? It doesn't matter how small it seems. You know, the little boy, all he had when he was there with the crowd was his lunchbox. But that's all Jesus needed. And if you can be the lunchbox of Jesus, you will see miracles. You will see God work in your life because it's not us who does the miracles. It's he who's in you. Greater is he that's in us than he who's in the world. What have we got to fear? Come on, rise up, church. Come on, let's worship him. Thank you. And we'll give a call in a moment. We're ready for great.